Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Happy Friday. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today. Here with you on Sports Grid, Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizzapia on this happy Friday, May the 8th, 2020, as we close out another week at home. Hopefully everyone is doing okay out there. Of course, you can watch our show on all the different streaming apps. We're going to get to a lot of sports talk today, some fantasy talk. Gray Albright, as always, is going to join us from Razzball.com on this Friday. Joe, uh, how is your uh, Friday going so far this morning? Uh, it's going all right, my friend. Uh, it, was, it was a long, long early morning shoveling a lot of mulch. Uh, I, I don't know what came over me. I said, no, let's do it. I can definitely do it before You're the show and get everything done. I'm a mulcher. I'm a mulcher from way back. But the one saving grace is, and I recommend this to anyone doing yard work on the weekend, the podcast, oh, hello there, uh, with Nick Kroll, who most of you know from the league, or and uh, John Mulaney, uh, fantastic stand-up comedian. They play these these two old guys, and they've been doing these. They did a Broadway show actually together, the two of them. They've done a lot of comedy shows with these two characters, and they started a podcast. So I'm literally out in front of my house, shoveling mulch into this area around the driveway and all the things and stuff like that, and and laughing out loud as cars pass me because that's how damn funny it was. I'm trying to get you that's to listen funny. to it. I did. I, I listened to some of it. I listened to like the first ten minutes. Oh my god! The, how about? Did you catch any of the fake uh, promos? For like Subway, if you like puffy bread and sweaty meats, right. Subway's not a sponsor of our show. Know. But uh... warm takes or something. Is that what <laughs> well, yeah, warm breezes instead of hot warm takes. Breeze. And I know you hate hot takes, and I immediately thought. And the whole it was the whole it was show... pretty funny. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard with my kids, but yeah, I'm gonna when I have time. Uh, Start at tonight, the beginning. I, yeah, because I gotta. gotta it's all it. under the guidelines of this. I I thought it was just one episode about this, but apparently the whole series is them uncovering the truth about the Princess Diana murder so to speak right. and it is it is so funny craig i mean i'm just i was just dying some of the things that come out of their mouth yeah no i listen at this time of of really the lives that we're living in to find anything that can entertain you and for, for a good cause they're raising yeah, money absolutely yeah. relief so i mean oh it can't be kid it's a win-win baby you make me laugh and you're helping people out let's do it absolutely so uh, next week we'll have nascar or the week after is it next week yeah we're uh, i think it's next week we'll have nascar it's coming back and the announcement became official today that they're going to have this little golf tournament with uh, phil mickelson tiger woods also playing for charity but the wrinkle is playing tom brady and peyton manning and joe i don't really know about the golfing skills about those two football players. I know they've both played golf before, but this is going to be up on FanDuel at some point. Are we handicapping this at all? Do we have a clue who the better well, golfer is between well, the two? Well, walk me, walk me through this. So uh, they're playing each other, right? I mean, Peyton versus Tom, or are they playing as teams? They're playing as teams. Okay, so who's who's paired with who? Just I don't know that. Through. Yeah, I don't know that they've determined that yet. Oh, all right. Uh, who would you rather, if you are, you know, let, let's say you're picking one of the two athletes, who would you want in your card, Peyton Manning or Tom Brady? Well, I mean, it would seem to me that Manning has been retired longer and has had more time mm-hmm. to play. I, I would. I Is that think a fair I, handicap? I, I think it's a very fair handicap. Plus, I think Peyton Manning's pretty damn funny. And I'm Mr. Tom Brady, but I feel like Peyton Manning might be the better guy to be smoking a cigar with in the card. I could be wrong. I could be wrong about this, but I don't know. I think Peyton's pretty damn hilarious, too. His SNL sketch for the United Way thing. One of the great sketches of all time where he's throwing balls right in kids' chests and then right, screaming at them. That. Oh, so good. <laughs> have you watched the SNLs, by the way, on Saturday night? I have. Actually, I thought the some of the quarantine, bits, yeah. the, the quarantine SNL bits, the SNL from home sketches, were pretty funny, especially the one with the Zoom meeting, which uh, for yes, the two older that. ladies who didn't yes, know how to right. work Zoom yes. and the one lady brought right. it into the bathroom with her. And that was uh, I, after having a very long afternoon with my mother trying to teach her how to Zoom. Yeah, I know. It was the perfect antidote is exactly what I needed. Yeah, I, I <laughs> listen, it's a little weird to watch the shows without any laughter. But again, anything new that's that's kind of on television or podcasting or or even for content that we're putting out, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. Well, did you catch the uh, did you catch the bit Kate McKinnon and uh, Aidy Bryant did with the the grocery store with all the bad items left too? That yes, was awesome. I did. Yes, I did. Dasani, what's the deal with Dasani? <laughs> I don't know. Wine from Missouri. <laughs> but they kept going to Dasani. <laughs> I don't know why. I just I, I think I think I think people don't like Dasani. 
Well, it's basically, you know, filtered tap water. So I guess that's the joke of it is that people still don't want to buy it for whatever the process is. But then there's no sodium. And then it was vegan Dasani and all the other Dasani. I mean, that was kind of funny because it's true. Every time I go somewhere, it's right? like you have the choice of all these water bottles. And the one that's always sitting there is Dasani, right? Always. Always. I don't know why. But I, I, it's pretty funny. Kind of bizarre, for sure. All right, uh, let's get to some some news. And, and look, uh, you know, other than the uh, NFL schedule, which we're going to dive into a little bit more coming up on the weekend, uh, I mean, look, this story with uh, Earl Thomas, it's funny. It was his birthday the other day. <laughs> Happy birthday, right? We brought him up for his birthday. We said he was a Hall of Famer. And then one of the stranger stories that was reported, Joe, yesterday was just kind of a little nuts involving the wife and maybe a family member or... I mean, I, I guess, look, here's my advice. <laughs> I'm wanting to see how you tiptoe around using here's some of the words. Here's my advice. <laughs> you know that we have nothing to talk about. Uh-huh. Don't give us anything to talk about because we are going to spend 10 minutes on a documentary from 20 years ago. Like, <laughs> literally, we're doing old stadiums. If an NFL player does something wacky and is involved in something wacky, like, if Antonio Brown was doing something wacky like he was all football season, we would spend a lot of time on it. And I think that that's the category that falls in this into. Just stay home, stay away, don't do anything. Don't give us any reason to talk about this kind of stuff. Well, I mean, I was I was seeing if you were going to say the word, the O word that he was involved in, apparently. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. Can I say it? I think I people know. understand. Let's just say Earl Thomas uh, was entertaining more than one friend. You would say it this way. And okay. I guess the story, I'm going to try to do this as PG as I can, but Should. it's going to well, fail. Listen, people may not know, Joe, so you could you know, go into all, a little All right, for those who don't know, reportedly he was held at gunpoint by his wife after catching him with some of his friends uh, having a good time. Yes. Uh, and, uh, well, you know, he's, you know, Earl, Earl Thomas is, you know, I, I guess he ended up playing a lot of defense that night. Oh, there's the pun. There it is. The I had to. I had to throw the dad pun in there, but you're right. This is not a good time to do something stupid. And, uh, I mean, it's a wonder. I didn't think, you know, social distancing, you were out and allowed to be around that many people, Craig. But apparently Earl Thomas is just throwing caution to the wind. Yeah. I, look, again, whatever, <laughs> whatever makes you happy, but just keep in mind that... It was his birthday. The divorce rate that's going to come out of this pandemic, forget it. You think, you think you have a clue right now the second that this is all over with? People are going to be running to get divorced. Oh, my God. Well, I, I guess this would make marriages stronger, though, too, right? On the other hand. It depends. I it guess. Depends it's either going to make or break your marriages, right? You know. Uh, like, I, listen, but... I, I mean, for my marriage and for what's going on here, I'll be 100% transparent. Uh, it started off, like, well, first of all, I mean, we're totally cool. But it was weird the first couple of weeks just, like, being up at each other's grill the whole time. Mm-hmm. But then you come up with a plan, like, okay, here's a regimen, here's our schedule, here's when right. you're doing your work, here's when we have to have the kid, and then it has been smooth for a month, like, it has been no problem, and my wife has cooked, like, every night, just like you're cooking for your kids, so I can't complain, I mean, I don't want to do this anymore, but if I had to, I could. <laughs> I like, want to go outside. <laughs> well, I'll tell you the fu- I'll tell you the debate that we're having right now. I'll okay, the what's debate. the big debate? You could weigh in on the debate. Okay? I will. As someone who's divorced, I will weigh in on this okay. for you. Okay. So, so, so here it is. So, look, Joe, I don't have a lot of exciting stuff going on like everybody else. Um, just like everybody else, there's nothing exciting. I have gone through all my old stuff time and time again. I'm done in this house. Okay. Mm-hmm. I- I've gone through it all. I've dug through. I found my old Mad magazines, Crack magazines. My old yearbooks, old calendars from the Yankees, the Mets. Dude, I found everything that's in this house, okay? Mm -hmm. I got a a storage unit, though. Miles away, and I want to go. I want to go to my storage unit and crack open some stuff. Bring it home and just to keep me busy. I could tell if I really pushed, my wife would let me do it. But I can also sense that she doesn't want me to go do it. What do I do? Well, I mean, in the storage unit, you're by yourself. I can't imagine anybody else being there. What if you tell her you're going to, like, be in the storage I mean, like, what's the chances of the person anywhere near you in the storage unit? And, you and, might and be it's, safer and there. as soon as you open the door, it's immediately to the right, and it's on the bottom floor. Uh, look, I, I would say this. It seems like if you were a superhero, 
you would be the sorter because that seems like what you're doing. Like it seems like you're like compulsively just kind of going through things and sorting and looking well, through uh, stuff. Well, I, I mean, seriously, like, look, I exercise every single day for an hour. I go mm -hmm. on treadmill, watch TV, catch up on the podcast, think of things right. for the show. Do it every single day. Uh, I throw with my son in the backyard virtually every single day for about 30, 45 minutes. And then we alternate, we hit on days that we don't throw. That's it. That's it. Right there. I think you should be indulged. I think things are starting to loosen up a little bit. I and... set her up. I basically said, I want to do it. I want to do it a few times. And then I said, I want to go tomorrow. Here you go. Here you go. It's Mother's Day this weekend. No, I can't. No. I can't. No, 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 no. Of course not. The list, let me hear you out. You knock Mother's Day out of the park. You have the kids make her something now on the slide. Do, yeah, I, I know what to do here. The, you know, here's what you do. You, you knock Mother's Day out of the park. Oh, I got a good plan and, for that. Yeah. And then Monday, Tuesday, you go, you know, I'm really itching to go check that out. I think there's actually something in there that I actually want to see or maybe even get rid of. You know, whatever this oh, yeah, is. Oh, yeah, get rid of. That's a good one, too. Yeah. Yeah, get rid of. Get rid of meaning come to the house and, like, yeah, get rid of from the storage into your living room. Exactly. It's going to be a nice Bud Light sign I need all right above the fish couch. I need all box on them. <laughs> they have like 10 over there. You go through Mother's Day. You knock Mother's Day out of the park. Then on Monday, not even Monday. You give it, you know, 48 give it hours. Another, give it a Monday. Give it a Monday. Make it a Tuesday. No, Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon. We're in the thick of it. You know, I think I'd like to. Uh, I think you've come up with a plan. I think I will execute. I've watched plan. a lot of Larry David on quarantine, too. I've watched a lot of Curb, which, by the way, we haven't talked about. Maybe at the end of the show today, we can bang that out because I'd like your thoughts on the Spite store because I thought it was hell of a season. It was, I thought it was the best season in years. I, I would How could anybody watch that show this year? I got caught up on all the ones that I had missed. And uh, the year before was the worst year, I think, that they ever had. I think I, it was as bad I, as you I, did, but I love the Spide I store. The Mocha that. Joe Latte Larry Spide store oh, is one of the great. greatest things ever. I mean, it's sure. just so funny. <laughs> all right. Uh, Gray Albright's going to be with us coming up a little bit later on in the show. But coming up next, it's time for This Day in Fantasy Sports. And we also have our Fantasy Sports Birthdays. Don't forget, you can watch our show also on the weekends. Just head on over to sportsgrid.com. We'll set you up, give you the schedule, tell you exactly when you could watch our show, which normally uh, is Saturday morning and Sunday night. It's kind of bizarre, but that's when they're airing. And also, Joe, your Diamond Bet show is coming up on Saturday. Want to give a 30-second uh, preview real quick? Of what you're uh, yeah, actually, we're on Sunday mornings. So we'll be doing left field edition, things coming out of left field, including the greatest left fielders ever to play the game for every major league team, the best left fielders right now, and uh, some really funny bits you stick around for, too. The best out-of-left-field moments in Major League Baseball history, which is, uh, let's just say Matt Stryker and I are pretty stupid, and that's, that's a good thing for everybody watching. It is for sure. All right, so let's do this. We'll take a quick time out. It's May the 8th. We've got this day in fantasy sports and our fantasy sports birthday is coming right up. This is FST on Sports Grid. Craig Mish, Joe Pizapia. We are back right after this. Don't go away. Two minutes. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe back with you here on Friday. We're ready for a huge weekend what's on the what's on the menu joe is it a little uh i don't know watching old videos of, of you like sword fighting like, uh, what, no what haven't you done yet <laughs> well uh actually i i'm i am decided to sort of start to take care of the exterior of the house because the weather's starting to get better here uh so this is the time to do it before it gets super hot in new jersey because it's either going to be freezing cold or super hot there's nowhere in between usually uh so i'm going to try to power wash the outside I wow. bought the power washer, so I'm going to feel like a man and just, you know, strip all the dirt away from everything outside. That's going to be a good time. And uh, and it's Mother's Day, so I'm going to try for the first time in over two months to drive over and do a drive-by of my parents' house, which which will be nice for the kiddos, take them over there, say hi to grandma, all that stuff. So, uh, so that's pretty much it. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to being Outdoor Joe. This weekend, it's outdoor Joe out there in the yard. I told you, I'm doing the mulch. I'm power washing. I'm making all of the uh, the exteriors ready. I'm trying to think about summer. Pool's gonna open soon. I know Florida, it's like always summer for you, but there's a window for me. There's a window, and I'm trying to take advantage of this window here to be outside and enjoying the the exterior 
of the home. What's your big plan this weekend? I know you said yeah. you got Mother's Day plans, but what else well, is going you know, on? I, I also have a lot of work to do outside of the house, but being Jewish, what I'm going to do is I'm going to power pay somebody <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to do it for me. Uh, um, no, nice. actually, I have no uh, work to do outside the house. Do you but, mow your own lawn? Or you don't have no, a lawn? No, I, I don't have a huge lawn. You know, I live in a gated uh, community that right. they have a they, they have people that they come, come around to it. it. Yeah, that's yeah. why I figured. I thought I remembered that. I don't mow my own lawn. We have way too much lawn. I have terrible allergies. I would I'll love to have it. more of, of that in a backyard. I think that's I would, the next house. If I had the, I think I'd have to get the big riding mower, though. I'd have to go full far as Gump and, you know, make it like a thing where I could just, like, John drive around. Yeah, yeah. Full far as Gump. That, that would be me on there. But I, I would never be able to breathe uh, every time I mow the lawn for like two days afterwards. So that would be a problem. That's why we have I got I, my wife. It's, it's mother's day. I, uh, my wife, I let her pick her own presents. So she got something. I'm not sure what I'll see the bill, but I got, uh, from all of us, a, basically a digitally engraved wooden card that like has all this like stuff in there. I, I'm not sure a exactly digitally what engraved wood. I didn't know wood, uh, Neither did I, but it's compatible with the internet. I'm hoping it's going to get here on time because it's not here uh, yet. And so I have one more day to get it here on time. Hopefully. All right. Well, fingers crossed here. Let's all, let's all hope the best. All right. This day in fantasy sports history, May the 8th. We start off in 1970. We were talking about this the other day. It's 72, but it was actually 1970. So we got clarity on this. Uh, this day in, in fantasy sports history, Willis Reed limped on that court. Game seven for the Knicks, played a little bit, like five, ten minutes, and then the Knicks do win that NBA title, 113-99. to 99. It was game seven versus the Los Angeles Lakers. So for clarity, Joe, there you have it. There it you have it. There the power of a crowd, too. The moment is him coming out. Like you said, he didn't play the entire game. He came out there on the in the, in the Madison Square Garden crowd erupts, and this is the power of – uh, momentum in sports that we see sometimes. And this is what home court or home field advantage can be. And that's be. what we're going to miss. And that's what we're going to miss. And and that's what's going to be so fascinating because now we're stripping sports down to, you know, the athletes against the athletes without that element in there. That's a fascinating thing. And look, hopefully we'll come back sooner than later. But at least in the short term, it seems very questionable. So you're right. You're very, very good point. This is something you're going to miss out of sports. I watch, I'm a big wrestling guy. You know that money in the bank is Sunday night. So my kids and I will be watching oh, the pay-per-view. Good. So I what got are they that doing pay-per-view. in Orlando? Uh, actually, no. They're doing this one in Connecticut. They're actually fighting in the actual building all the way up, and they're putting the they put the ring on the roof of Titan Tower in Connecticut, where WWE headquarters is. But they've been doing everything in Florida. But my point is, watching wrestling without the crowd is also kind of difficult, especially. I know. I saw the pay-per-view. Not too, I couldn't get into yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. WrestleMania was pretty good. But I will say there's if, – if there aren't two great workers in the ring together wrestling, they can really appreciate the worksmanship over there and the choreography and what they're doing athletically. It's it's a little difficult to watch sometimes without the crowd because it's another one of these crowd feeder kind of things. It's sports entertainment. No crowd, it's it's tough. But at least it's been something to watch. Well, that's, that's, I'm in agreement. Listen, whatever you like. I, I don't have beef with – as much as I would never watch wrestling, I don't have beef with you You're watching You're so desperate. Else. You're so desperate today, you would probably let me do a Money in the Bank preview. That's how desperate you are. I'm not that, not quite, but close. <laughs> we almost got there. 1984, Kirby Puckett gets four hits in his Major League Baseball debut. He goes on to the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Of course, he gets hit in the eye, and his career ends up ending premature, does win a World Series with the Twins, and then has an unfortunate bout and uh, sickness and passes away uh, many years ago. Um, Puckett was a, a great Hall of Famer. His legacy kind of marred, though, there at the end, Joe, with some of the yeah. personal stuff. <clears throat> yeah, some of the personal stuff, not great at the end, too. But uh, I think a lot of that stems from the career being cut short and uh, then the illness. So, yeah. uh, But Kirby Puckett, I try to remember the positive side of Kirby Puckett as a player uh, and even as, as a man during those that period of his life, one of the most likable guys you'll ever see and just easy to root Absolutely. for. I mean, talk about underdog. You don't see that body type in professional sports. He was basically round all the way around. And, man, he was great. He was fit fat. There you go. <laughs> it comes back around. It, it, Kirby Puckett, another guy. He could go get it, man. He could run. He could hit. He could field. And he looked like uh, like you could roll him down a hill. <laughs> but he sure. was he was fun to watch. Great moments for him and the Twins. It's interesting. Like I, as every, as some people know, I have a massive collection of mm-hmm. of everything, autographs, and just through the years, I've been very fortunate to be able to acquire everything, um, without buying it. 
And so Puckett is on my list of things I've bought. It's a very, very short list. Like mm-hmm. maybe five to ten things, and I have thousands. Right. But the reason why I did Puckett was it, normally the worst thing that you could possibly do is buy something when the guy dies. Right. But I had heard that something was going on, and I bought it right before. And I was – because I have a collection of, like, every Hall of Famer, like, pretty much. Like, I have – and I'm like, wow, if this happens, he's dying young, I am never going to be able to get this. Now, that's and a good point. it was a rare step out for me to spend – I think it was, like, 100 bucks to get him on a ball with Hall of Fame. It's a rare step out for me on something like that. The other things that I've done was when uh, – when Griffey got in the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. I got a ball with him signed Hall of Fame because this this dude does not sign for anybody or anything. No, not and a big I, signer, yeah, and I, at all. As, as nice and smiley as he is with the hat on the back, he don't sign. Mm-hmm. So I bought one of those two, and I have like a couple of Willie Mays bats that I bought because just the opportunity presented itself. But everything else, I mean, there's probably a couple more things that I'm not thinking of, but Puckett is the one really that comes to mind because I had to make that key decision to say, hey. This is a major athlete passing away young, and uh, you know there aren't going to be as many Kirby Puckett autographs out there, Joe, as Brooks right. Robinson, as an example. No, of course. So, anyway, long story short, uh, Lennox Lewis in 1993, Lennox Lewis wins the heavyweight title by beating Tony mm-hmm. Tucker. Very unfortunate. Lennox Lewis, probably one of the best fighters of all time. He's in that conversation. It's just he did not have the guys to fight in the time that he fought. So we'll never really know. It's Boxing is about eras. And, Joe, real quick, he fought in an era with no one. You know, no, with, I mean, with Klitschko well, and the old guys. That's right. It. And that's the whole thing. It's like the post Evander Holyfield era of boxing. Nah. It's very yeah. difficult. Well, Evander Holyfield was an incredible boxer. I mean, he was an incredible but champion. But not when he fought him. No, no, not by the time he no. fought it, right? I always think of Lennox Lewis as kind of that last vestige of the heavyweight champs. That Klitschko, is. yeah, you could put in there too. But, I mean, it's amazing because I grew up in a in a boxing universe because my grandfather was a boxer, and he oh, every Saturday afternoon, the wide world of sports, they'd be showing boxing. I remember Boom Boom Mancini and watching, you know, All Hitman of those fighters and Sugar Ray Leonard. And you Roberto used to watch Durant the different weight classes. Yeah, Hagler. you'd watch the featherweights. You'd watch the, the middleweights. You'd watch now – you know, now it's all shifted, uh, those guys who do that, it's all shifted into MMA. There's something about boxing, though, that the drama of boxing used to be great, too. And then I think boxing just got so, and not that it wasn't, it was ever clean, but it just got so just dirty and dense at the same time with the WBO and the WBC and all these different things. And nobody knew who was the champ. And it just got really muddy. And then the mean? wrestling has the same thing. <laughs> well, no, wrestling's very cut and dry now. You have a couple of different. They got things. a million belts. No, but I mean, you don't have a million people saying they're champion. You know, I mean, there's there's the champion on the one, you know, and it's WWE champion on the yeah, one show, like it's the this champ, title or that champ. Well, but that but it's different when you're trying to say it's the sport of boxing. You know, different promotions have different champions, but the problem is in boxing, you're looking for the heavyweight champion of the world, not the heavyweight champion of a promotion, and that was kind of difficult. And you know, well, who's the champ in wrestling? Uh, well, right now, Drew McIntyre uh, is the champion over on Raw. And the champion on SmackDown so is Braun Strowman. The difference is no one saying I'm the only champion. <laughs> no one, you know, that's the difference. They're different shows the way they structure them now. And then AEW is another wrestling promotion. They have their champion. But you know, when you go back to Lennox Lewis, I mean, this is, you know, right now it's a Tyson Fury, right? Tyson Fury's champ, and you know, I mean, he doesn't necessarily. I I don't think kind no, of. No, but but you know what? He and Wilder had a good fight. They, they could did probably continue that. Listen, we're running out of time. Um, let's, go. let's go back. Jadevian Clowney is the first pick in the NFL draft. Somehow in 2014, the NFL draft was on May 8th. I don't remember this at all. Uh, and James Paxson threw a no-hitter a couple of years ago for the Mariners against the Blue Jays. He's now on the New York Yankees. Uh, shifting over to this day in fantasy sports birthdays, you see the picture there of Hall of Famer Ronnie Lott. It's also Mike D'Antoni's birthday along with Bill Cower. Why did I put Arrestus Destrade on there? I don't know. Maybe he was an original Marlin. Maybe I did a radio show with him many years ago. I don't know, but I just put him on there. Uh, Ronnie Lott, Adrian Gonzalez, one of the more underrated fantasy players yes. in history. And then if I don't put Lewis Brinson on this list <laughs> and he sees the show, he'll get mad. Um, not that Lewis Brinson likes me anyway, because I've been saying that I think that it's a wrap for him anyway. But regardless, uh, I don't want to... 
get him more angry at me than probably. Well, let's not make Lewis angry, but let's talk about Adrian Gonzalez. You're right. One of the more underrated guys had some real, probably the greatest first baseman in Padres history, believe it or not. I mean, Steve Garvey never had the years Adrian Gonzalez had. Uh, but Adrian Gonzalez had a window there where he was just fantastic. And then he went to Boston. It wasn't quite the same guy. Oh, no, it was not at all. And, and it was a bummer because everybody just said, oh, my God, I'm going to put him in Fenway Park. He's going to just mash. Uh, and then, obviously, two other great ones here. Bill Cowher, Hall of Famer. Love that the Hall of Fame, you know, him getting in the way they told him is so great. Uh, yeah, I love that. That was ter- that was so wonderful to watch live happen on TV. Totally uh, that, I mean, more of that, please. Let's do more things like that. And then Ronnie Lott, who, as a kid, I don't know about you, <clears throat> there are certain players when you're starting to watch a sport. And as a kid, Ronnie Lott was that guy that I was just like, where is he on the field? Where is he on the field? Because he was just, you could sense that he was lurking somewhere. And when he hit a guy, he stayed hit. And uh, Lon- Ronnie Lott, to me, was one of the first impressions that I had of how tough football was. Yes, yes. And Ronnie Lott cut a finger off to continue to play in an NFL game. He did. You, the had Will, you had Willis Reed, who gutted it out to continue to play and, and really gear his team up for Game 7. And so coming up next, what we're going to do is we're going to take you through those great moments in sports history of those players and people that had to gut it out to help their team or even their country, in this case, win. That's coming up next right here on Fantasy Sports Today. This is Sports Grid. Craig Mish and Joe Pizapia. We're back in just two minutes. Stay on the grid. We're back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. There are a lot of times in sports where athletes really come through for their teams and you don't necessarily remember them 20 or 30 years later, and that's why we're here for you on Sports Grid Fantasy Sports Today, Craig and Joe, right next to me. And, yeah, I mean, Joe, there's always those special moments in history that you remember. But then you sometimes have to kind of jog your memory a little bit and go back and say, hey, what about those moments where it wasn't necessarily about who won or lost, but it was the individual that had to do something or take their game to another level in basically what you would consider the light of adversity. And so I thought that given the fact that on this day, back in 1970, Willis Reed walked out onto the court, probably a lot of people don't remember it at this point, if you're any kind of millennial or anyone else, even from our perspective, uh, neither of you or I weren't born when that happened also. Uh, But that was an iconic moment in history. And we talked about Ronnie Lott, who basically had to cut off a finger to continue to play. What's interesting about a lot of these and how sports has changed before we get into them, Joe, is that our sort of list that we've compiled of gutty performances in sports history, if you came up with, and I've come up with, I think, uh, seven or eight, maybe close to ten, if you had these same ten situations happen now, we wouldn't have these moments in history because the coaches and the GMs and the owners would never let it happen. Some of them. Some of them. I mean, I'm trying to think of more recent ones. Uh, and there are, because reason. they won't let them happen anymore. <laughs> well, they won't let them happen, but also the athlete, especially the professional athlete, is more, you know, actually less willing to risk their career oh, Look at the for a moment. Right. I mean, the last guy I remember playing with something as serious as some of these things on here was T.O. in the Super Bowl playing on one leg, in the broken leg, and him trying to will that team, uh, along with Donovan McNabb, to a Super Bowl against the Patriots, but that was all the way back in, what, 04? I want to say so. Listen, there's something called load management, and it's a real thing in the NBA. You're kidding me? Like, oh, is it? Anyone is ever gonna play hurt, or the second that something happens? And by the way, I'm not saying that it's the wrong thing. It just was a different time that we lived in. But when we go through some of these stories and you hear them, of course you'll remember some of them. But there are others here that really don't come to your your mind's eye initially and and when we dive back into this i'm telling you there are people that are watching go oh my gosh that really happened because mm-hmm. it would never be allowed again yeah so, uh, and there's and uh, go ahead I, there's one on this list too i'm looking to to get to that actually isn't okay. on isn't on the list here but oh, it's good. a different Listen, gutting always, it out i'm always up for post production it actually just came into my head while we were talking about it of a different way of gutting out a situation it was, so, it was the mulch you doing the mulch it was the mulch i inhaled enough of the mulch 
that it actually made me smarter. I'm sure by the end of the show, it'll have the adverse effects. So we'll see what happens. Nope, I didn't. Okay. All right, so here we go. These are, we'll start off, and we're calling this gutting it out. These are moments in sports where the athletes had to gut it out in order to get it done. So clearly there's a lot of success on all of these. Look, how how do you not, I, I understand that he wasn't probably as bad off as everyone else on this list, but I'm sorry, that Gibson home run. No, he was as bad off. You watch him try to run around the bases? I mean, come on. Game. This was this was this was one of the biggest home runs in the history of baseball. Off Dennis Eckersley, who off had Dennis like Eckersley won ERA that year. Gibson, I mean, never, Gibson didn't get another at bat in the entire World Series. I, I mean, it is just the story again, is insane. I it's mean, momentum too. Momentum in sports is so important. And the A's lost the momentum. The air went out of the bubble and they couldn't pump it back up. But uh yeah, there was Kirk Gibson trying to you know, somehow gutted out there, and he got that one moment. And against, I think what's most in- incredible is is that it's against Eckersley. I don't think people right now, we live in this era, too, where everybody just talks about Marion Rivera. We wouldn't have Marion Rivera if we didn't have Dennis Eckersley in that role first. I mean, that was the guy that became the three-out save guy, where the closer was very protected for the most part until, you know, playoff scenarios and things like that, where you maybe needed him a little bit extra. But Eckersley was un touchable that year he had an era around one Under i don't even one. remember if he gave up a home run all year maybe one yeah we I went think... through this on the show a month ago he had a season where he walked two guys yeah i it, it's it's nuts how good he was so for gibson to come up under those circumstances and do what he did that to me is what makes it even more astounding he did it and home. you know what i love most yeah. about the whole thing is that they love they're still really good friends eckersley's com- comfortable talking He's, about it eckersley's all the time great. He's such a great guy. He is, I mean, he still talks to the guy that, I don't want to say stole his wife, but his wife, you know, he's still friends with the guy who, you know, his wife left him for, who he was teammates with, and there's, everything's fine. Like, he's just, he's he's just that kind of dude, just a different different old man. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, we haven't got to this yet. Maybe we will this week on The Last Dance. We, I don't I don't think that we've only got four episodes left. We haven't gotten to any baseball, and we have not gotten to Jordan's game where he got sick. Uh, and had that flu game where he couldn't play and ended up winning the game. But I don't, I don't recall seeing that in any of the videos yet. So no, I don't think they've gotten to it yet. From what I heard, uh, again, catching up on that this weekend too. That's Saturday's plan too. So actually, the weekend's starting to look up a little bit. But you well, don't be like, don't be like Joe Ranieri. By the time you got it, by the time uh, Tuesday's show comes around, you have to be completely caught up on that show. All right, deal. Joe Ranieri. What we did is, believe it or not, we did a segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I went through all my baseball cards, yeah, and and wrestling cards too. By the way, I have a lot of wrestling cards, and we went through them like just Craig's collection. And Joe promised he would bring his, he would do a segment on his, and he never came through. Oh, I got, claimed I got he the had collection sit behind me. I'm waiting for the invitation. I just, I took some of the the. Well, prime. I'm not saying about cards, but you got to get yeah. caught up on that show by Tuesday. I will get caught up on that show again. Tuesday, my problem is, week. I like to go right through them. I hate having to wait. I've become I know, very. I'm worried with your Mandalorian thing. You never got that either. So get to get through the Last Dance by Tuesday. Oh, definitely. I've already started the Last Dance, so it's not like I haven't okay. watched it. But All that right. Michael Jordan flu game, you and I both remember. You could see visibly he was not right. He, this guy was Why is struggling, that struggling to even stand up, let alone play as well as he did. All right, he was so, uh, Kurt Schilling uh, had uh, had to have surgery to pitch, and that bloody sock is in lore as one of the gutiest performances on the mound in baseball history for sure Mm -hmm. uh jack youngblood now now jack youngblood was actually on my show um brett when was jack on a month ago i don't know he was on not that long ago he uh basically broke his leg in the first quarter of a game joe and he played the entire game he even got a sack later on in the game and and it may not be one that rolls over the tongue, but everyone seems to think in the history of the NFL this was the guttiest game by any player of all time. So oh, it's got to be up there. I mean, to sack a guy with a broken leg—that's pretty incredible. They played the whole game. They played the whole game. But football was those guys back in you know the '60s and '70s, totally different kind of dudes. <laughs> now Willis Reed. Now it's interesting because we mentioned Willis Reed, and I had to put him on here, of course. What what I always forget about Willis Reed is that he did come out. And he did play a little bit, but he did not play a lot in that game seven. It was just more of the motivation. It was thing. the theater of it. It was yeah, the, that's see, what it and was. That, I didn't and realize that. The coach understood that. Red Holtzman, I believe, at the time was the coach, and he understood the theater of that moment and how it would ignite the crowd and, and, and ignite everybody. And it did. And he was right, and they won. 
They did. All right, so Gibson, Jordan, Schilling, Youngblood, and Willis Reed. We'll start off with those, and now we'll move on to, uh, and I'm sure there's someone that I'm missing, but let's move to the final three that I have here with the gutting it out. You see the picture there of Kerry Strug. I remember this vividly in the Olympics of her uh, being on the beam, falling, breaking her ankle, crying, being carried off, and, of course, winning the gold medal in the Olympics. Uh, Joe, in our lifetime, at least from what I've seen, this is like a top three Olympic moment if it's not number one. Like, I, oh. I, I remember watching this, and I can't I re- say that I remember a lot about the Olympics. No, I, I remember watching it, too. It was stunning. I mean, uh, just, you know, the gymnasts and uh, how hard they train and, and what they go through and how they sacrifice so much of their lives to do right. this, and at such a young age. Uh, it's an incredible thing, and to watch her do what she did was just unbelievable. And that ankle, just to to land on it the way she did, uh, just uh, to land on one ankle. <laughs> it's hard, it's hard enough to stick the landing with two feet, let alone with one. That's just incredible. That's that's and and you know what? Those are the athletes again. The, you know they see endorsement money for a window of time, uh, but for the most part, you know these are not the professional athletes. You know Michael Phelps is the anomaly, the guy who you know lasted all those Olympics and made all the money on the all the endorsements. Most of them have the window in the moment, and then it's over for them. So uh, some of them live on in folklore, which is great, and she's definitely one of them. Yeah. Um, I don't really recall. I, I'm, this ha- definitely happened. It does, I don't, for some reason, it doesn't strike me with Tiger Woods winning the U.S. Open with a broken leg. I, know I don't happened. remember this either. Yeah. When did yeah, this happen? I guess it happened, and I went back, and I sort of remember it. But How broken enough. was the leg? Like Jack Youngblood broke, or? He beat Rocco Mediate, I guess Brett says. Um, I, I, I just, I don't know, for some reason, I, I don't. This one doesn't roll off the tongue, but in my research for this, it definitely was. Um, it was a big one. It was a playoff. Uh, now, this one I do remember, Byron Leftwich at Marshall. Do you remember the video oh, of this one, Joe, yeah, him getting hurt and the, and, the, and the players carrying him down the field on the final drive? That I remember. The greatest, like, rah-rah football thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it just, you know, he would stand back there. They would hike him the ball in shotgun. He would turn around, try to throw the ball. He'd get a first down. Everybody, all the, all the linemen pick, pick him up, up and take him in. Oh, it, it, it was, was real too. He was done after that. And I think it's it spoke a lot about the kind of guy Byron Leftwich was that they would all, you know, be like that. And he was there, and they were all buying in and stuff like that. And Byron Leftwich now an OC in the NFL. So uh, look at him doing well. There's one on there that I thought okay. of, but it's gutty yeah, for a different reason. The Brett Favre game when his dad died. Um, again, oh, not yeah. a physical thing. Yeah. When I think of all of, like those moments where just an incredible, overwhelming emotional feel. I remember watching that game at a bar at the time. And, you know, I feel like everybody at the bar was emotional watching it. It was like about fathers and sons. And I people remember were crying. It, called by you. Yep. it was. And that was gutty because, of course, Brett Favre's going to play because he's Brett Favre and it's his dad. And his dad was a football guy. And, you know, that whole father-son thing. And, then have the game that he had. <laughs> he had an extraordinary I, game. If I'm not mistaken, Favre also played in a game in the NFL where they ruptured all of his intestines, and he played you through it, like, right. through the whole game, and then had surgery after or something crazy like you that. You might so. be right. Uh, I, I, you know, the, the, unfortunately, sometimes there's those tragedies, you know. That I want to say, like, after Thurman Munson died that game back, I think it was Bobby Mercer was his best friend. Did That's Mercer right. had a home run in that game, I want to say. That could have been one of these gutty performances. But the Maybe Brett Favre, when his father died, and it was Monday Night Football. It was yeah, a standalone was, They game. played against the bad team. Was it the Raiders? Oh, gosh, it might have been. I think you're right. I think it was against the I think it was, it was against a bad the team. It was like a game they were going to win anyway, but he still played. It was, but it didn't matter. And you can see the Raider guys even kind of like kind of giving him love. Because, you know, I don't remember a player that was so well-liked who was as good as Favre was by the opposing team all the oh, time. Yeah, sure. Everybody loved Brett Favre. <laughs> like, yeah, Sapp used to sack him and then jump on him and like hug him afterwards. Yeah, yeah, it was just it's hysterical, man. Nobody's yeah. like that nowadays. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. All right, so those are the uh, gutty performances. And so here on this show, we're going to gut it out. We're going to continue on here until 1 o'clock Eastern here on this Friday. I hope you guys have a really, really good weekend. But we got plenty more to come. Coming up next, we're going to take a look back at a historical uh, football season, both from a fantasy and reality perspective. So stay tuned to that. Also, a little bit later, Gray Albright from Razball.com. He and I will talk some fantasy baseball, also just talk some life in general, kind of getting back to normal a little bit, getting outside the house, and doing things that keep us sane in life. So we'll have that as well. Also, do not forget, follow us on Twitter, at 
SportsGrid. If you have any questions or comments, send them over to at SportsGrid. You can copy me at Craig Mish or at Joe Pisa PS17. We'll answer your questions here on the show 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Send those over on social media. We'll answer them for you. We'll be right back with more fantasy sports today, right after this commercial on the SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back on our show yesterday, which you can watch on demand. Joe Pizapia and I went through the 1995 Major League Baseball season from a fantasy and reality perspective. And then toward the end of the show, uh, Joe and I on the air talked about what we would do on today's show and kind of went away from baseball a little bit, went into football. And for me, uh, I was playing fantasy at this time in 88. I, w- I played fantasy in the early 80s and then stopped for a while and then picked it mm. back up. Uh, I'm in a league with the same guys for over 30 years. So, wow. Yeah, we've That's been playing. And now, now again, it's, not all the same guys, but I think the core, there's like four or five of the same core out of the 12 teams that have still been in it. So I always like looking back on, on historical data. It's always fun, Joe. And so where are we going to go today? Well, it's always good to look back in the past so we could learn a little bit more about the future. And today we put it in the randomizer. We went to NFL and we went to 1988. It was the year that the San Diego Chargers switched their famous baby blue powder blue uniforms to the darker blue. Do you remember the darker blue of the late 80s and I early knew. 90s I of the Chargers? Huge mistake. A huge mistake. I was just going to say, a huge, huge mistake there. I'm glad you said it before I did. I love the new ones, though. Have you seen the new Charger uniforms? They are hot. The new light blue ones. Woo-wee. They right, but the nice. logo, they changed. Logo is crap, but the jersey is nice. The jersey is prime back in the powder blues and everything, but this was kind of like that that junior Seau dark blue charger that we all kind of remember. That was the jersey that uh, happened there. Also, the Phoenix Cardinals in 1988 moved from uh, from Bush Memorial Stadium to St. Louis. So there you go to the uh, to excuse me moved uh, the Phoenix Cardinals moved from Bush over to uh, Devil Stadium in Tempe, Arizona. So that's when we had uh, that shift Excuse happen. Me. Well, because I, I have confused myself for a minute because then they moved back again, <laughs> if we all recall. So uh, always on the move uh, are, the, uh, <laughs> are the Phoenix Cardinals. Uh, then in 1988, the draft was held from April 24th to 25th. The first pick in the NFL draft was Andre Bruce from the University bust. of Auburn. He was a bust, unfortunately. Yeah. So great bummer. Player. Yeah. Not everybody makes it in the NFL, but obviously 1988 – we all remember AFC Championship game. Uh, there was the Cincinnati Bengals who came out on top. This is also the beginning of the Buffalo Bills starting to get really good in 88. Yes. And you can see that process starting to happen with Marv Levy. And then they would have that subsequent run of four years in a row. But this was that first time they got into the playoffs. And that was the Jim Kelly era. But it was about the Bengals. It was about Boomer. And it was about the Icky Shuffle. Do you remember the Icky Shuffle? Of course. Of oh, course. what a wonderful fad that was. Uh, Icky Woods, not uh, not necessarily not rolls last out. Last time the Bengals were great. Uh, yeah, I mean, they had respectable moments. There's no way around. They I mean, they games. made the playoffs. Yeah. They made the playoffs a bunch with Andy Dalton. They didn't win yeah. with Marvin Lewis and Andy Dalton, but they did make the playoffs, what, seven times? I think they're 0-7, yeah. Marvin Lewis? Yeah. Has a coach ever made the playoffs and has zero wins to show for it, 0-7, and, and held a job as long as Marvin Lewis? No. I want to say no. No. Uh, on the other but side yeah, of this, the Bengals were uh, were a good team then. They were, they were a very good team. I'm trying to remember the wide receivers on that team with Boomer though. And Boomer and Icky, I remember wide receivers. I'm kind of drawing a blank on here right off the top of my head. But Reggie was, Brooks was he on that team? It might back? be. I, I it could be him as well. It might have also been then. Uh, we also had was it James Brooks was the running back then. I yeah, forget. I don't want to mix Yeah, that. you're probably right. I think it was James Brooks James potentially Brooks there. Right. And the 49ers, this was, again, kind of, you know, peak Montana here. San Francisco 49ers, Joe Montana. This is the famous game at the end with the comeback in the Super Bowl there, that last two-minute drive where he hits, uh, it was a John yep. Taylor, I believe, in the end zone. And uh, the famous story of everybody being nervous and yep. uh, Joe Montana being in the huddle and saying, hey, guys, look, John Candy's over there in the front row. And that kind of just let everybody, you know, just kind of laugh and say, what? What are you crazy, Joe? We got like a minute and 28 left to get this uh, touchdown. Uh, but look, it was uh, obviously a great finish to the Super Bowl. Boomer Esiason at the time 
looked like he was going to have another, you know, be one of these big quarterbacks in the NFL. That was kind of his window as well. After that, he ended up with the Jets and was never quite the same as the the success. You know, it's it's funny that this this subject on Esiason came up recently on one of the shows I did. Really? And and you're right, because he was really good as a Bengal. And then after that, it was it was pretty mediocre. But, Joe, he had one game with Arizona where he threw for 500 yards. Yes, he did. Yes, he <laughs> like, did. Like, it was like a, a Brady Anderson baseball season, you know? Yeah. It was like he uh, just had that. He had, like, one unbelievable game now that everybody has those games now in the NFL. Like, every week someone throws for 400 yards. But it was like <laughs> at the time, I remember the magnitude of it because I think even in fantasy it was like, oh, my gosh. Like, well, he was MVP that year, actually, too. MVP, most valuable player, was Boomer Esiason. And it's, it's kind of funny to me because, you know, the Bengals – had, were good even before that. You had the Kenny Anderson years, right? Yeah, um, Chris Collins. Yeah. You had them losing the Super Bowl. This is actually the second time in this decade that they lost to the 49ers, correct? Because they had that uh, that loss early. This was uh, that first time that they beat right. them uh, in the Super Bowl, and this was the <laughs> so basically the decade bookended for the Bengals by losing to the 49ers in Super Bowls. Not the the way you want to go, but uh, obviously these things happen. Coach of the year was actually Mike Ditka. So the Bears were still good, but this was kind of when you got into the whole, I want to say Doug Flutie, Mike Tomzak, can Jim McMahon play anymore kind of situation where they're rotating. I remember it was always not knowing if McMahon was going to play. Yeah, yeah, and that was that was the shame, that, the shame of the concussions. And I remember McMahon taking some hits. There was a guy, and and I can't remember who it was, in in the NFL, and he used to write on his headband the name of the quarterbacks that he took out of games. And I remember him hitting McMahon and just a brutal hit. And, you know, after the play, basically, just a dirty hit. Do you remember who this guy was? He was basically like a quarterback stalker, and he wanted to get on TV saying, look at all the guys I knocked out of games. And I remember McMahon falling victim to him. Lester Hayes? Being... No, it wasn't Lester Hayes. I want to say it was somebody that was a linebacker. Because Lester Hayes was a D-back, correct? Maybe on the Giants. Was it somebody on the Giants? I don't think it was a Giant. I can't remember what team it was, but right. no. but I, I mean, have to I go remember McMahon writing the name on his on his. Well, but McMahon had the Adidas headband and some other things. He and would McMahon... write. Pete, he wrote Pete Rozelle's name on his headband. <laughs> Jim McMahon was, uh, again, you talk about early influences and. In I met sport. him later on. I met him later on after he retired. He used to uh-huh. come to South Florida a lot, and right. uh, he plays golf barefoot. Does he really? Yes, barefoot. Yeah. Yeah. Why is that? I just interviewed. I don't know. He's, just, he's Jim McMahon. I, I think that he's had some concussion issues, some lot, CTE yeah. issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some but he's actually uh, part of this group. I saw that's doing a lot of work with it. Um, not only certain medications, but also certain um, brain exercises that he's able. He's he does on a daily basis, puzzles and all these other things that they're saying it's helping him rewire his brain properly. So. Good for Jim McMahon being at the front trying to help other people with some of this research they're doing. Offensive player of the year in 1988, Roger Craig. You know, kind of a guy that gets lost in the shuffle of Montana and Rice. But, man, Roger Craig, 1984, incredible. And in 1988, uh, certainly quite a season. Offensive player of the year, damn it. 2,000 yards, I think. 1,000 rushing, 1,000 receiving. Uh, Unbelievable. Defensive player of the year, Mike Singletary. Again, the Bears were still very good even after 85. But they just couldn't put it all together, and that's uh, unfortunately what happened some years. Yeah. Uh, but looking Stuff forward, happens. yeah, offensive rookie of the year, John Stevens. I remember John running Stevens. Back, yeah, running back of New England. And defensive rookie of the year was Eric McMillan, safety of the New York Jets. So how about Him that? I don't remember. Oh, I remember Eric McMillan living up here. I remember the 80s Jets were weird. You know, it was Ken O'Brien and Al Toon and a lot of 8-8. Uh, eight eight. <laughs> I feel like that's that's. that's it's kind of what they were. NFL Comeback Player of the Year, Greg Bell, running back from the Rams. NFL Man of the Year was Steve Largent. Now, I imagine this was towards the end of Steve Largent's career, if not his last season. Like, I don't remember Largent playing all that much longer than this. Yeah, NFL Man of the Year is actually now is that? sort of considered the most prestigious award you could win in the NFL. Is that the same as the Walter Payton Award now? It or is. Now? It is. Okay. They renamed it. They did rename it after him. Okay, I thought so. Uh, Super Bowl MVP was actually Jerry Rice. Uh, that year, but you know, when I think of this year in 1988, it's it's a couple things. It's definitely the Bengals having that run, and it's funny because yesterday we got into this conversation about Joe Burrow, and hoping maybe that they can resurrect this football team because the Bengals in the 80s were not quite a joke. I mean, two Super Bowls in one decade, 
is pretty good, especially when you think about two different regimes, two different quarterbacks, that they were able to kind of rebuild it in the middle there. Obviously, there were some rough times, and that's how you got Boomer Esiason in there. Yeah. But, but I mean, is this the opportunity for the Bengals to kind of turn things around, as it were, and maybe kind of rebuild into being respectable? Because, let's be honest, how many years Roethlisberger has got left in Pittsburgh? I don't know. You, you would think that within a couple of years the Bengals could be good. I, I think what got the Bengals in trouble was not necessarily the fact that they would go to the playoffs and lose, but they always would be taking on these reclamation projects of bad guys that always yeah, had these well, sort of sure. issues. And yeah. look, Perfect is the poster child for it, but there, it was more than that. They used to have all kinds of guys that were getting suspended or getting in trouble, and there was this notion that they weren't doing a good job, uh, you know, kind of policing their own players. And I think that's really what brought them down because once if you're not winning and that's happening anytime they would sign a player it was always like oh it figures it's the Bengals you know and ironically that team became your team the Patriots after that except for the Patriots fixed all those guys like anybody that would <laughs> come them. over they would fix but if you went yeah. to if you went to Cincinnati you became more of a problem and so I, I think that was that was kind of it but yeah, yeah. I mean those 80s days too was was kind of the end for well, the 49ers did actually win a few more years so I don't want to say they that they did but. well this was the Passover of the torch where you started to transition into the George Seifert years too right after this which again ironic I think we just mentioned the other show I think it was the show where uh, you know George Seifert has more career wins than Bill Walsh in the NFL a lot of people don't realize that because he inherited this incredible dynasty and then it, the changeover from Joe Montana into Steve Young. Other notable draft picks that year, by the way, Neil Smith of the Kansas City Chiefs went number two overall. Had a really good career, and then later on with Denver. Uh, Two great wide receivers taken back-to-back. Tim Brown to the Raiders, and then Sterling Sharp to the Packers. Sterling Sharp, too, one of those first great targets for Brett Favre. I know you remember, too. Another great career cut, untimely short. Yeah, I I was a big Raiders fan when Tim Brown was on the Raiders. He was just so good with them every single year, and he never really even had a great quarterback throwing to him. And he, you know, he's a Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. And Michael Irvin, also in this. Think about those three names. Sterling Sharp, Tim Brown, Michael Irvin. Taken in the I, first I hope one of those draft. guys in this year's draft turns out to be like them because I got a couple of picks in the Dynasty League and I need some wide receivers. And so we'll we'll have to do that exercise next week here on the show because my draft's coming up in a few days, my rookie draft. I'm going to need to get on top of that, figure out who I want well, for this year. I am ready. I just did another rookie draft yesterday with uh, the folks actually at Razball. Uh, I know you're talking uh, later Who's on. Who's the sixth this- pick? Uh, the sixth, I was a super flex, so it was a little different. I'll go back and I'll look for okay, you. Yeah, but, that's, I got the uh, sixth and the 11th. I think at four, I took Jerry Judy. I think I was fourth overall, and I got Judy with the Broncos because I'm just going to take the talent. I think it's going to win out there. Yeah, I'm worried. I'm, it's a fun, favorite, you know what? my favorite guy, and I'm worried about him. I, I wouldn't be. He, Drew Locke was not as bad as everybody thought. I think it's too big to fail there. I really do. He's got so many weapons. He's got he's got Gordon. He's got Lindsey. He's got Fant. He's got Cortland Sutton. Now Jerry Judy. If he fails, it's completely on him. I think it's just a push-button offense, man. I think it's actually going to be okay. It's not going to be great, but he's not going to be the last quarterback. I don't trust that coach. Place. I can understand that. That's fair. That is fair. All right. Let's, uh, let's take a quick time out here for a top-of-the-hour break, and we'll be right back with some win totals in the NFL. You're watching SportsGrid. This is Fantasy Sports Today. We'll be right back. Don't go back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 